We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Welcome in, Wildcat fans. It's going to be... It's going to be an interesting one. I know Nate's going to have some hot takes. I know I'll probably disagree with everything he says, and we're going to have a good time. We will. Come in. Yeah, we will. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Before we get into anything else, thank you for tuning in here on Wildcat 91.9. This is Sports Talk here at 6 p.m. I'm your host, Colin Settle, joined by, once again, the glasses, the four-eyed Nate Gray. You got the glasses back. Mm-hmm. How, how are, you, are you able to see now? Can you see things? Seeing fine. Yep. Good Seeing to hear. well, actually. Good. Very well. Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Things that are also good to hear coming up later on the show, we're going to have Brian Smoller, who pretty much does everything for K-State at this point. He's a play-by-play guy. He does a lot for, uh, a lot for K-State HGTV. He does a lot for the K-State Sports Network. He's going to come on, and we're going to talk some Cats soccer, some Cats volleyball with him. He'll probably be limited on time because he's a busy guy, but we're going to talk with him, pick his brain a little bit, see what he's thinking about soccer because they – dropped a game this Sunday, and then they're not playing this Thursday either, so it's only a one-game week for the soccer team, and the volleyball team is coming off of a very impressive 3-0 run here at the K-State Invitational, and they're going to go up to Omaha this weekend to, excuse me, play some teams there, but before we get into anything else, we need to talk about K-State football, and we do. good Lord, Nate, I don't know, I don't know what you're going to... I know what you're going to say, and it's going to – whatever. I, I don't think I look bad. I think I'm fine after what I said last week uh, about Will Howard, and I know you don't like Will Howard, and I know a lot of other people I still don't, don't like him. I know. I, I know, actually I know, think I, know, I might I like him less. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate – I don't like saying I don't like players because that makes me feel like I – when I talk about players I don't like, I talk about players that are like chumps, like sure. like like where you can tell like they're just like – douchebags for all i know he's a good guy i don't like him as a football player i'll say that much okay and that's and that's fair because i don't want to be i don't want to go saying you know he's a i hate this guy because like you know i'm sure he's a okay guy at a a minimum i'm sure he's an okay guy so sure you know whatever and then you know and oh boy we we squeaked it out we squeaked it out against Southern Illinois, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a talking point here uh, to start the show as we recap real quick, kind of what happened during that Southern Illinois game. And you know, I pulled a few clips. I put them uh, I put them on my Twitter. They're on my Facebook. I put them on Instagram. They're kind of all over the place. I had a few really good highlights. I think uh, if you were able to listen in here on Wildcat ninety one nine, uh, myself and Cole Carmody who also is involved here with the station, we called the Stanford game, we called Southern Illinois, and now we're running it back. We're going to call Nevada, too. So three straight games from me and Cole. You guys like the full-time squad now? I don't know. We we have some other staff members, and you know we're going to get them involved, but for now I think we're trying to... Are they going to have you traveling down to Oklahoma Stillwater? State? And uh, all there? Maybe. It's in the works. We're going to see. Maybe. We're definitely going to Lawrence. We're going to go call the KU game. Stillwater's going to be a bit harder, I think, but we're going to try our best. Um, but as far as things go there, uh, pregame will start at noon. We're going to have Hella Bella's Hype Hour is coming back uh, once again for another week. She's going to come in and talk. We're going to have our new sports director, Jasmine Halliburton, talking as well during pregame. A.J. Shaw is going to be involved. And then 
We're going to have Ryan Gilbert come in. I think he's going to talk a little bit. And then that's through the hour up until 1 o'clock when the game kicks off. And then you're going to hear the next voices you'll hear after that will be me and Cole at uh, at the Bill. And we're going to have a good time. It's going to be – I I say we're going to have a good time, but I'm also kind of worried. You know, and we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but we're here to recap. So that it was I say we're first. Go- you say we're going to have a good time, but I'm, we cannot promise – that we will have yes, a good time. Yes, and so. you know, before before we get into that, I want to kind of recap Southern Illinois. I grabbed some of these clips, and you know, to start out the game, Malik Knowles had that great catch, and this great is catch. it was this was the first game of Malik Knowles' career where he's had over a hundred receptions, and that started with this play. Amater Bebe to the right, Thompson, man in motion. It's Brooks, takes a snap. It's a play action. He's looking deep. He has a man. He's going deep. It's Malik Knowles. Malik Knowles makes the catch. Awesome. First down, Wildcats. And that, I believe, I believe that was like a 45-yard, a 45-yard reception. He had two of those to start the game. He he had he averaged like 45, 50 yards per reception because he had two receptions of like 50 yards. So yeah. it was a great game for Malik Knowles. He, I think, other than Deuce Vaughn, who I'm gonna show off here in a second i think uh i think played the best out of anyone else on the offense yeah i would agree i think he's a guy that like we mentioned we've talked about a lot on the show he's a uber athletic uber talented guy um he just he he wasn't strong in the little things like his catching he just didn't i think it was injury i think it was injury i think a lot of times my guess is he probably just you know he's so talented. I feel like that's something you see a lot with really, really talented guys. The fundamentals aren't strong because they probably went up through middle school and high school and didn't really have to have super strong fundamentals because they were just super talented. They're always better than everyone else. So I think you could tell that he was just kind of a raw player. Um, but seeing those plays was very encouraging to his development, and I think spoke volumes of how far he's come as a player. I would agree. I would agree. I think. Uh... Having Skyler is huge too, and that makes me worried for his production going forward, especially with Will agree. Howard. And we're going to talk about Will Howard. Makes here me in a worried bit. for the entire um, offense's production. I think we're going to run the ball quite a bit. That's a and problem. Where <laughs> I don't think we, so. Well, I think it is because we saw this last year when towards the end of the year they tried running the ball a lot, and it it worked out sometimes, but sometimes teams were like. We know what you're going to do. You're going to run the ball to Deuce Vaughn because he's the only player on your offense that can produce. So we're just going to – they're going to have to get creative because I think it gets to a point where you just load up the box, you know they're running, and it's like – it's 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 easy to, to plan against. You their Teams are going to come out and they're going to make Will Howard throw the ball. They're going to try to make him throw the ball. I think we're going to run the ball a lot, which can be a good thing, but it scares me. I think it can be a good thing. There's potential it could be a really good thing, but it scares me a lot. I, I think that's a fair point, but I like who we have in the backfield. I do too. I like who we have at least on the left side of the offensive line. And, I mean, could be detrimental if, if, if they just keep sending blitzes off to that left side where Cooper Beebe and Josh Rivas are, and then, you know, you keep running it to the left, you're going to get stuff. So you're going to have to go right eventually. But hopefully those guys on the right side of the line, I think Noah Johnson had a better game this game than he did against Stanford. And I think, yeah, I think overall, Christian Duffy is probably the guy at right tackle right now for me. Like, I like KT Leviston. Uh, it's one of those things where, where you're talking about, like, 
you can like him as a guy, but you don't have to like him as a player. And I think Christian Duffy is just a little bit better than than KT Leviston right now in my mind. And then obviously you have Ben Adler and whoever else you want to throw in at right guard as well. But I think Noah Johnson's playing well right now, uh, at least better than he was. I think he'll only get better as the season goes. Uh, but Cooper Beebe and Josh Rivas are by far the two guys on this offensive line that are standing out the most for this running back room. And then speaking of the running back room, the first touchdown of the game came, I believe it was three minutes and 45 seconds into the game, which was extremely fast. And mm. here's the clip. Three receivers to the right, Landry Weber in the game, Thompson in the shotgun with Deuce Vaughn. He takes a snap. It's a handoff. Deuce Vaughn up the middle. It's a touchdown. Deuce Vaughn into the end zone for the Wildcats to open this game up. Only not even four minutes into not even four minutes into the game. It was it was impressive to see that first opening drive. You come out, you get the ball on offense, you want to punch him in the teeth, and that's exactly what they did. And I think it was absolutely phenomenal what that offense was able to do. Like, I don't know how many I don't know how many plays the drive was. Uh Seven plays, three minutes and 19 seconds. That first score? Yep. That was the first drive of the game, as I as I have it up right now. Oh, sorry, that was the fourth quarter. I need to turn it around. Six plays. <laughs> I was looking at it backwards. Six plays, three minutes and 15 seconds is how long it took for the Wildcats to score, this offense to score. So we know what the offense is capable of. It's just a matter of can they stay healthy and can they do it week in and week out. Can they do it with... Will Howard. Will Howard. And I've heard that Jaron Lewis might be getting some snaps as well. Really? Yeah, that's something that was brought up in the press conference today from uh, Coach Kleiman, uh, you know, where he was talking about, yeah, Will's going to they, – they have confidence in Will, whatever confidence that is, whether it's in his legs or his arm, who knows. But they said they have confidence in him. And then he talked a lot about Jaron Lewis as well, where – Will Howard obviously has the experience on the field, but Jaron Lewis is the guy who's been here, I believe, a little bit longer, right? So he's known the playbook maybe a little longer than Will has, and who knows? That's like what's keeping him in the competition is he probably knows the playbook a little bit better than Will at this point. See, I I thought the only thing that was going to give Will Howard a leg up on Rubley was... Experience? Was the experience... So I don't even consider... And granted, here's here's the thing. I don't think... I think it was the same thing last season where Will didn't even think he was going to go in. I think for Will right now, his biggest thing is he needs to be prepared at all times, especially after Skyler went down last season. I think if Will was, like, ready to go, I think he would have played better. I think he thought, oh, Skyler's back. I'll just sit in the back seat. I'll just hang out and just let Skyler do his thing. I think Will just wasn't ready. I think he wasn't mentally prepared, thinking, oh, Skyler's going to be here. I don't have to do anything. Oh, shoot, he went down. Now I have to get in when he was, like, sitting back on the bench doing what – I don't know. I think he's the play caller, I think is what it is. He's the signal caller, sorry, with the headset on. Um, but, yeah, I think he just wasn't, like, mentally prepared to go in, and that's what – I think he was just rattled. I think that's what it is. He was something – I think that's what it is. I think if he was prepared, I think he would have been better. I, hope, I really do. I hope that I hope that's true this weekend cuz they're going to need to he's going to need to be better than he was. He was pretty unimpressive. 
He yeah, was about what I, I expected I from him. I know. I know. Another thing that I do know is, and this is going to be early. Usually we do it a little bit later in the show. But since we're already on the topic, do you know what time it's for, Nate? Not my favorite segment. Not your favorite segment. Not the station, the world, everyone's favorite segment. Ladies and gentlemen, Big Boy of the Week. Big Boy of the Week. And it's a good one. And this one is is a bit different than uh, some of the other ones in the past, I think is the best way to describe it. Because it's not just one guy. And it's not just two guys. I have three guys that are all part of the same the same little group here for the award this week. Two of them who are big guys. Another one who's more of like an honorable mention. But without him, our big boy of the week would not have gotten the award. So he is instrumental to making this happen. And that goes to Ryan Hennington. Ryan Hennington is our honorable mention who was also just put on scholarship thanks mm-hmm. to the Jordy Nelson uh, softball event which is really cool I got to go to that and that was really fun got to talk to uh, Jordy Bill uh, David Allen uh, was another cool guy to talk to I talked to Nick Leckie Super Bowl champion they were three Super Bowl champions on that field I got to talk to both of the Lockett brothers uh, while Jordy or not Jordy while Tyler scored a touchdown so that was really cool getting to like be next to them while Tyler scores a touchdown. They have it up on the board, and it was oh, it was such a cool thing. But the first, uh, the first guy, obviously, and I think I think it's pretty obvious. It's Jalen Pickle for his interception. But without Ryan Hennington, Jalen Pickle would not be getting this Big Boy of the Week honor right now. So here's the clip of the of the Jalen Pickle interception. I think it's. I mean, you've heard you've heard the clip. I assume Nate of my call of this mm-hmm. clip, but it's awesome. This is yeah. This is the Jalen Pickle interception. Baker takes a snap, forced out right. He's pressured. He looks over the middle. It's bending up into the air, and it's oh, it's picked off. Jalen Pickle, Jalen Pickle, Jalen Pickle, the defensive lineman. Oh my lord, what a play! They throw up the mob symbol, ladies and gentlemen. Jalen Pickle. Hold on, we got a, we got some laundry on the field, Colin. The six foot four, three hundred. What a play by Ryan Hennington! What a play by Ryan Hennington! It was it was insane. The ball, it was like that Troy Polamalu interception, mm-hmm. where Troy like went literally like vertical and like caught the ball one handed, like two inches above the ground. That's what Ryan did. But Ryan dove in with his right hand and just gave it like a little a little tap, just a little flip there up to J. It, it was that. What's that? Uh, it wasn't like Kennesaw State. It was some other. It was some other team where like the quarterback threw the ball while the receiver was running, and it just like shot into his arm, like mid, mid. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he was, like, I know running. which one. Yeah, it was like that where like Ryan tips the ball up, and it just magically showed up in Jalen's arm, and it was awesome. Uh, so Jalen Pickle with that interception. Ryan Hennington is an honorable mention, helping him out there. He'll be on the on the ballot for Big Boy of the Year coming up here in a few months. But the second guy that we're going to award here is King Felix. Felix Anadike, who won Big 12 Newcomer of the Week as well with this. He finished with five tackles, five solo tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles, including one to seal the game at the end, and this is the call there. 
Two receivers left and right, takes the snap, looking right over the middle. Pass rush, and it's gonna get oh, there! No, fumble, oh, no, fumble, oh, no. fumble, fumble! Cats fall! Cats fall! Cats fall! Fumble on the play! Picked up by guess who? The team captain, Timmy Horn! Mama called! Yeah, that's game! Timmy Horn with the fumble recovery! Mama, get the cat, and if the cats are coming home! That might be one of my favorite calls ever. I like so that. that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that game a lot. So if you if you listened and you liked what you heard, tune in again this Saturday. Myself and Cole Carmody are going to run it back. We're going to be here on Wildcat 91.9 calling the game against Nevada. It's going to be a good time. But that is your other your your two plus one big boys of the week goes to Jalen Pickle, Felix Enadike, and Ryan Hennington. So. Oh boy, now we need to get into this week. And this week is a doozy. A doozy. It really is. And Will Howard starting at quarterback. And oh boy. You know what? Here, I'll just I'll just play the clip. This is this is Will uh at the K State press conference today talking about what he needs to work on to be a better player. This past weekend. Um you know, overall, I would just say um, taking things one day at a time and, and confidence is, is, the, is the biggest thing. You know, I've, I've learned from last year. I feel like when I play with confidence, I feel like I'm a completely different player. And, you know, I felt like even, even out there, you know, even things didn't go perfectly. I just felt so much more confident than I did last year, um, just throwing the ball and having, you know, being able to stand in the pocket and, and make throws. And I feel like, you know, like I said, with a week of, preparation and, and reps with the ones I feel like that's gonna improve you know you know tenfold so I'm excited to see what we do confidence confidence is a bit I think confidence is huge and I think it's huge oh, yeah. for a guy like him in the position that he's in uh you know I I think he can have success is he gonna be the greatest quarterback K-State's ever seen no if I I don't I don't know I'm not gonna go there, Nate. I'm actually not gonna go there. Uh, You're considering saying he will be? No, I was considering comparing him to other quarterbacks, but I don't Who have. Compare him to? Uh, I don't have a ton of quarterbacks in my mind. The first guy that came to mind was Jesse Ertz, but hmm. more towards the the running ability of Jesse Ertz was the guy that came to mind. Uh, Joe Hubner, maybe Joe was a taller guy, yeah. but I think Joe. Could at least, and granted, Joe wasn't the best thrower of the ball, but I think he could sling the ball a little bit better than Will. Um, I think Jesse Ertz is is a guy that 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 was just the first guy that came to mind, just purely from running ability. I think we saw it from Will last season, specifically the TCU game where he had two really good runs. He had like a he had like an eighty yard run where like he should have gotten a few blocks but didn't, and he should have scored. and I think it would have been one of the, if not the longest, run in K State history. He he's on the leaderboard for he's like sixth right now for that like eighty yard run. Um, but yeah, I think just just his running ability is what made me think that. Um, but I, I I haven't obviously these guys haven't been here for a while, so I don't know. Two, I haven't seen them. That's the only reason why I don't want to make a full blown out comparison. But the first guy that came to mind was Jesse Ertz, just from the the running ability. Um, but, yeah, I think confidence is key and just, like, making sure he's ready to go. I think he knows the playbook. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's just 
young, and I think he's a little rattled, and I think he just gets scared. I mean, he's a 19-year-old kid now. I mean, he's, he's 19. He's 19, like 1920. Yeah, he's younger than me. I assume he's younger than you, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I think he he's just a kid. That's the biggest thing, stepping up into this big stage where you should have the 22, 23, <laughs> however old Skylar Thompson is at this point in this 30. game. I mean, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Uh, who's Skyler that? Thompson for KU fans has to be like what Perry Ellis was like for us. Yeah, like it was just like, is this dude ever gonna leave? <laughs> like, I mean, goodness. Who is that? Uh, who's the? Wasn't it like a Texas Oklahoma? No, it was the Oklahoma State quarterback. He was like 27. Was it Brandon Whedon? Yes. Because he because he went yes. to the MLB, right? I and think so. He, yeah, he, and like, then he didn't, it didn't he work got out. drafted he, when he was like 27 out of yeah, OSU. Yeah, and that's kind of like. Obviously not the same as Skyler, but that's like, you know what I mean? He's like older. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's something that, oh, it's something that we're really going to have to look out for here. And Will Howard's going to have to step up. He's going to have to be confident. But I think the running game is going to be there. I think Deuce is going to perform well. He's now had four straight games over 100 yards rushing. And he had three touchdowns last game, which I think is even crazier considering he didn't he didn't have like one of those big long runs it was all just dink and dunk down the field and he stretched the field out and he was able to get in the end zone over the course of the game not with one big play which I think is big here saying that he doesn't have to have one big run to be successful which I think some people chalk him up to be he's just like a one play horse right where or a one tray a one trick horse where he gets one big run, and then that's like 50 yards of his stat line. But no, he had – I don't know. Let me look at how many carries he had. Uh, he also fumbled. That's an issue. But dude, he had 26 carries for 120 yards. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. It wasn't like in uh, in Stanford where I think he only had like 15 carries, but he had 110, 120 total yards mm-hmm. because he had like one really big one, like 56, 59-yard yeah. run. Yeah, so I think it's big for him to be able to have a game like that to where he can show like, hey, I can be an every down back and say, hey, I can work throughout the game and get the same amount of yards as if I had just one big run. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's definitely developed a lot as a player, which gives me confidence um just going into the the next however long until Skyler's back it's just it's still it's still a little troublesome I think just considering how last year Skyler goes down and it kind of worked out for a few weeks we did fine without him for a little bit but the run game the run game almost suffered I think because of Skyler leaving because um you had teams just going out and just they knew like if you could bottle up Deuce Vaughn, you could just completely shut yeah. down the offense. Yeah. So that's a little troublesome. And granted, here's the thing, like teams tried and like look at Baylor. Look at the Baylor game. That was I think statistically other than Texas, that was Deuce's like best game last season aside from aside from Texas. Those are the two games where he had the last two hundred rushing yard games. I think he had like 156 yards and like two touchdowns against Baylor which is, like, insane. So teams have tried to bottle him, and they can't, but I think it's just a matter of, like, the offensive line having injuries, Malik Knowles being hurt, Sebastian Taylor was hurt last season. It's like... When is keep, he supposed to come back? He played. Was he, he, was he, he played, played, like, two snaps, I think. I was going to say, he didn't get any... He didn't play a ton. He, he didn't, didn't get, get any targets. targets or catches or anything. But, yeah, I think 
once Sebastian Taylor gets back, I think that's going to be happy. It'll make me happy as well, considering seeing how the rotation is right now with all the receivers. Uh, yeah, I I think once Sebastian Taylor comes back and we have that bigger threat, because like Tyron Howell, I think is like six one maybe. Malik is like six three, a slender six three, but Sebastian's like kind of built. He, I think he's the most built receiver in terms he's of big. height on the yeah. roster. I think. Uh, Cade Warner's probably a little bit more like tone than he is in ter- and talking just like physique, but I think Chebastian in terms of like height out of our receivers, he's definitely one of the bigger physical receivers that we have. Yeah, he's big and he's got he's got good speed. So I yeah. mean, I'm I think once he gets back, that'll really increase the the threat of our offense. Yeah, but. It's still just, I don't know. I'm still there. Are, Will Howard is the only quarterback um, that I've ever watched as like a fan of the team. Um, with like, I mean, my whole life is like being a Chiefs fan and being yeah. a K State fan. He's the only quarterback I've ever watched where like every time he gets that ball, I'm worried. Yeah. He drops back and I'm like, uh, I just get a little tense. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I I hope he figures out. I mean. I was saying this at the game because I was to the guys I was with because I was kind of dogging him, but I was like, "Hey, I don't. There's no one I want to be wrong about Will Howard more than myself. I yeah. I hope I'm wrong. You want him to? He's the. He's I the want guy him to be great to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want everyone. I want them all to be great. Yeah. But it's like, right now he stinks. And I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say he stinks. I'm not gonna hold back because he, he had stinks. a QBR of ten point three. He stinks. Oh my goodness, that's atrocious. I think. Let me I mean, I'm not going to hold back because he, he had stinks. a QBR of 10.3. He stinks. Oh my goodness, that's atrocious. I think. Let me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, he had a QBR of 9.6. It wasn't even 10.3. In the game, yes. Against so Southern it would Illinois, probably be better to just 6. not. Yeah, you might as well just not even put him out there. He 9. went eight 3. for 17, 76 yards and a pick. I, I, I'm I'm dead serious in saying I would not mind if we trot out wildcat packages like the whole game and just don't don't put a quarterback back there. I'd be. I you don't think it would make us one dimensional? Do you think we're one dimensional already? Yes. Okay. I think our offense isn't or our our passing game is not good enough with Will Howard to say we're not a one dimensional team. Okay. They. Okay. I, I think. Here's what I think. I think you get a guy because what's the backup, Jalen? Jaron Lewis. Jaron Lewis. I think he. This would be kind of a little test. I don't know how well this would work, but I feel like you could really trot him out there and just run a lot of kind of funky wildcat plays. I think, I think that would work well. Um, but I don't know. It'll. It remains to be seen. So we'll we'll see how they handle it. I think it'd be fun to just trot out a bunch of wildcat packages and stuff like that. I know they probably won't, but I think it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, I have a drama McPherson clip I'm gonna play coming up. Brian Smoller's gonna come on and talk some cat soccer and volleyball and then we got some NFL talk as well. You're listening to Selling the Score here on Wildcat ninety one nine. I'm Colin Settle joined by Nate Gray. Uh all that's coming up next. At Tanner's Bar and Grill, you can sit down and watch the game. 
Which game? Well, with 22 TVs and access to a selection of college sports and NFL programming, you can watch whatever game you want. Located at 1200 Morrow in the Ville, everyone is welcome to grab a bite to eat and enjoy college sports networks like SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and more. Thirsty? Tanner's also has 16 beers on tap and a selection of over 40 craft beers and seasonal drinks. None of you seem to understand. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Hey, Freak Joe! You're going nowhere! Alright, well, last week, I hope you I hope you rode with me and you, you took a... Took Iowa, Iowa plus four and a half, because that was um, what we called easy money. Uh, actually, it's what we call free money. Um, Iowa was going to win that game. You know, you saw that one come from a mile away. So it was, it was good. Um, good to be back in the win column for the lock of the week. Um, but the last few weeks, I had been rocking with a lot of, uh, I'd been rocking with all underdogs, all uh, uh, underdogs on the uh, spread. This time we're going to turn it around, um, and I'm going to go with Baylor minus 17 against KU. So we're actually going to be flipping way around. We're going to be taking a pretty heavy favorite. Uh, Baylor, 17 points on KU. I think they're going to win pretty handily. Baylor's 2-0. They just beat the tar out of Texas Southern. But, you know, I'm going to say, they're still KU. But they didn't look... They didn't look as bad as I thought they would against Coastal Carolina. They actually looked semi-respectable. Not respectable, but like... But semi-respectable. But like, I saw a little bit, like, they were, they almost covered. It was 27 points. I think they lost by 28 or 26 points and they lost, but they were like one point away from covering. And it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, they're not good, but like, you're ex- you, you watch a KU football game, you expect to see them lose by 50 points. Sure. And you're like, okay, they, they hung in there. So, I don't know. Coastal Carolina is a good football team. So, to see them only lose by less than 30 <laughs> points was pretty impressive. But I think Baylor is going to beat them by at least 20. So, I got Baylor minus 17. You're talking about being semi-respectable. Somebody who I think is more than semi-respectable is Brian Smoller. Brian Smoller, who does a lot of uh, play-by-play, a lot of other stuff, is uh, joining the show. Brian, can you hear us? Yes. There we go. Perfect. As I was saying, somebody who's more than somewhat respectable in the K-State community. Brian Smoller, man, how, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I mean, it's been a long day, and last weekend day. really kind of took a lot out of me. I don't know about you being at that game, having to call that, but, I mean, I'm not doing too bad. I figured we could get into uh, some soccer and volleyball talk. You bet. Yeah, it was a busy week last week. Um, you know, three volleyball matches in a row for our crew, and then, and then Saturday we had volleyball in the morning, called that, did play-by-play for that, and then turned around and did the football the stuff, uh, our pregame show, and then in-game stuff, and then turned around soccer on Sunday. So, yeah, it was a busy weekend. Not this, I mean, we were dragging pretty good yesterday, but <laughs> ready to get back at it. There's nothing like having full-capacity crowds back. And uh, volleyball and soccer, hopefully we can get uh, both those teams rolling. Soccer or volleyball with a big win today, so sounds like they're they're doing good things. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get into first here. You go back to last week for the uh, the K-State Invitational. You take on Ohio, Loyola, Chicago, and Fresno State, and you win all of those matchups, and then you go and take on Missouri on the road here today for the, vo- for the volleyball team. I mean, how big is it right now? And then 
not only to get these four wins, you go back the previous weekend where they were at the Gotcha Invitational, where they're riding a six-game win streak right now. How big is that for this volleyball team? Well, it's pretty big just to build off of what they did last year. You know, they finished third in the Big 12 and just missed the NCAA tournament. I think if the field was a normal field of 64, they would have been in. But um, it wasn't. It was because of COVID shortened down to 48, so they just missed it. And I know that was a, a goal of them for them this year was to get back to the postseason and, and kind of finish in that top three spot. So I think they weren't playing as efficiently or perhaps as good as they thought they could play heading into that tournament at home last week. They were able to tune up some things and got Jade Nemhart going on the outside, which will really balance out Aaliyah Carter. And Nemhart started today against Missouri and was fantastic. So I think that's – if Casey had its best, they're going to have to have Carter and Nemhart on the left and just pounding away on people. And then he bounced it out with Haley Warner, the transfer from Florida on the right. And then in the middle, a couple of pretty set, good sets with Fernholz and Hollywood to beat uh, – Defenses really have to pick their poison, and it's going to be tough to slow them down. So it's nice. I think they're they're peaking right at the right time as Big 12 play starts with uh, number 12 Baylor coming to town here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and that's something I was going to get into as well here. You kind of brought up some other players. Obviously, I think Aaliyah Carter is probably, I don't know if she's the most well-known player on the team, but she's definitely producing quite a bit for the team right now. You brought up Jay Nimhard and then Haley Warner as well. I mean, who else is, uh, in your mind, kind of standing out other than the name? Because you brought up Kaylee Hollywood and you brought up some other names as well. You know, you look at players like Lauren Hinkle and uh, uh, Tina Adams, Konoe, and, you know, players like that. You know, how how big is it for this team having, you know, that much talent to where they can rotate and be able to still win games? Well, they're not as deep as they have been in the years past. But I, I think Holly Bonday and Jake Nemhard have done – a great job filling in on that OH2 spot, which is the second outside hitter that rotates in the rotation outside of Aaliyah Carter. So you have to have somebody else that can step on the floor when Aaliyah's not in there and deliver kills. And Bonday had done it for most of the season, and Demhart, I think, was the challenge here the last week or so and went and got that spot that she was, we all kind of thought she would have at the beginning of the year. So Besides those two, I think one that's kind of an unsung hero is Mackenzie Morris, who's the libero in the back line. She's only a sophomore, but she's already established herself as one of the best passers in in the entirety of the Big 12. And if you take volleyball and kind of compare it to football, that back line, those passers are kind of your offensive line. They're the ones kind of setting everything up. So if they're not delivering the right blocks and offensive line, then it doesn't really matter how great Deuce Vaughn is, right? I mean, if there's no hole for him to run through and, and your quarterback's getting sacked all the time, then you're not going to be able to get the ball to where it needs to go. And it's the same way in volleyball. That back line is so critical to being able to get the ball to Aaliyah Carter and to Haley Warner and to the rest. So you have to have good passers, and the captain of all that back there is your libero. And Mackenzie Morris is a quiet, unassuming young lady, but, boy, she steps, she is just with her play – demonstrated an uncanny ability to go get the ball anywhere it's at and just with reckless abandon throw her body to go get it. And um, Susie Fritz had the great line the other day when we were playing and uh, the court Morris just slammed the scores table at full speed. And you're kind of thinking, how is she going to get up from that? Susie Fritz pulls out her mask and told the referee, she's made a rubber, don't worry about it. 
And that's exactly right. She just bounced right back up. So I'd say Mackenzie Morris is kind of one of those that probably didn't get noticed a whole lot, but is, boy, is an MVP of this team. Brian Smoller talking with us here. And, Brian, I don't know who gave you my notes, but you kind of read my mind here. You know, I was about to bring up Mackenzie Morris and, you know, being the, the sophomore libero. I mean, how big is it having her being so young, being able to produce for this team right now? Where, where do you think her career is going right now, being able to perform how she has at such a young age? Back in the early part of Susie Fritz's tenure, they had some great liberos. In fact, one back-to-back had back-to-back young ladies that ended up as Big 12 libero of the year a couple of times. And Angie Lasher was the first of that, and then Laura Downey-Wallace. And those two have really set the standard at, at libero play at K-State. And it had been some time. They've had some good ones that have kind of been in there and maybe had a year or two that was pretty solid. And I, I don't mean to slight any of those others, but those two stand out at the top of the list. Norris has every bit of an opportunity to be as good as those two. Now, those two have a unique ability of first, just quick twitch muscles and, and first step. They were just able to get to the ball. And by the time they were seniors, they were incredible leaders. So I, I don't know if Morris is ever going to be that. Her personality is not one that really strikes you as one that's going to be really vocal. But she's very steady Eddie back there, a calming presence in the back row. And the more that she works hard on her first step, to being able to get the balls and get them elevated and get those perfect passes right to the center of the court to allow Tayana Adams continuity to set it, then then she's going to have a career that's going to end up as one of the all-time greats. It's certainly possible, and she's off to a, a pretty good start. Volleyball team going to Omaha this weekend for the uh, Omaha Challenge facing Weber State and Omaha. And, you know, the, the volleyball team isn't the only team having success with younger players. You look at what K-State soccer is doing right now, specifically talking with younger players about Ada Anderson and then Brooke Sullivan. I mean, how big is it having two freshmen for the soccer team that are playing as well as they are right now? Yeah, I think the you know as good as the soccer team has been with transfers this year, which is kind of their story, right? They had all those seniors leave, and they had to go get a whole bunch of Division One Power 5 transfers to, to supplement that core that left and I think that they've done that but then this freshman class is somewhat of a you know overlooked at times how much they've been an impact you mentioned some good names there and I I think Kenzie Gillespie is another one that's starting right now in the back row that has been fantastic just a bulldog of a player really strong and tackling 1v1 and just how she goes about her business I think she's going to be a great great player at K-State Ed Anderson's rolled right in very, very good in the middle, and then Riley Baker up front. I think it's going to be a superstar once she gets her bearings around her. But I think this freshman class, Katie Coffin, has played a lot of minutes early uh, for K-State as a freshman. I think they've got a chance to be pretty darn good. And with the transfers that Mike Dabini has brought in, for the first time in a long time, you really feel like K-State soccer has settled in on a nice platform right now. And this, they can build from here and really take this program to new heights. And it feels weird to say that here in year six, but remember year six of, of a program that started with nothing but a pile of dirt out there. So it, it's, it takes a while. And uh, It's been mentioned before, the West Virginia coach, Nikki Isa Brown, who's been there forever, won a couple of national titles, coaches some Olympic teams. She said it took 10 years at West Virginia for her to build that program. So uh, Mike DeBini gets the same amount of time. I, I think that K-State's going to be in, a, in great shape. Again, Brian Smoller talking with us here. And, you know, you brought up some of the transfers here on the soccer team. I think 
the one that sticks out, I don't know if it's it, if it's just me, I don't know about you or the rest of the fan base, is Marissa Weichel. She's playing extremely well right now. She's on pace to break uh, Brooklyn Entz's goals in a season record. Do you think she'll be able to do that? And where do you think, you know, with Marissa being a junior right now, where, where do you think her career is going to take her here with the time she has left at K-State? Well, I do think she's going to break that record, and I think it's because of players like Brooklyn Entz coming back and the rest of her teammates. I think the the beauty of K-State soccer with Weichel and with some of these other young ladies that have transferred in, they are much more deep and with offensive threats and really play all over the, the, the field than they have been in the past. And because of that, they have the ability to rotate people in, keep them fresher. Uh, on a weekend where they're playing a Thursday-Sunday, they're going to have the ability to bounce back on a Sunday and have uh, players that aren't just totally gassed having played 90 minutes on a Thursday night and have nothing in the tank left to be able to go out and compete. So I think that will allow for more offensive numbers for K-State. I think they've already shown that. I expect a, a big scoring day coming up here on Sunday against uh, Rio Grande Valley when they roll into town. And uh, just talking with the players, I, I think overall they believe that they are a team that's going to be not only surpassing a lot of goal records, but guys, I think they're going to set uh, a win record for K-State, which they haven't done a whole lot of. You know, that's kind of the next step, as, as Mike Sabini has said. They've been competitive. They've gotten the talent level better. Now it's time to go win matches. I think that's their focus. And you talked about, you know, coming up here this Sunday, they're playing Rio Grande Valley, and then after that we get into Big 12 play, and that's kind of something I forgot to ask about uh, volleyball as well. What do we have to look forward to in Big 12 play for both of these uh, teams right now? Who are the tough teams that we're going to have to place or play against, and, you know, where where do you think these two teams are going to finish in Big 12 play? Well, I think the volleyball team, taking them first, has a real chance to finish third. West Virginia has greatly improved where they are. They also are about the same level as K-State. Right outside the top 25 receiving votes. Baylor is, of course, a perennial top 10 team right now with uh, the program that they have. Yassiana Presley is the National Player of the Year on the outside, much like Analia Carter, but has been doing it for four years and on the national stage. They're ranked 12th in the country. And then, of course, Texas has a couple of Olympians on their team, and they are ranked number one in the country as the defending national champions and look very much the part. So those are the three teams you'd have to look out for in Big 12 play this year. And, of course, Kansas is always the big rivalry uh, between these two teams. And KU's a pretty good team, so I think they'd also be up there in the top half of the league. Then on the soccer side, West Virginia is picked to win the conference. I would suspect that they are in, in the lead there. Texas is coming on. They, interesting note, they'll be in Manhattan here in a couple of weeks. They feature Julie Grosso, who scored the game-winning goal for Team Canada in the Olympics uh, in the penalty kick shootout. They have a couple of Olympians on their team, and Texas got off to a real slow start, but now they're starting to kind of get their legs underneath them. Unfortunately, right about the time they play K-State. But uh, on the soccer side, it'll be West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU. TCU is a top-five team. Uh, those will be the three that are, are, are really, really good. And Texas has got unbelievable talent. Just hasn't put it together yet, but uh, I suspect they'll be pretty good when they roll in Manhattan here pretty quick. Brian, one more question before I let you go here. I know you're a busy guy. You know, Gene Taylor talked with, uh, you know, kind of switching gears real quick just because we were talking about football here a little bit ago. Gene Taylor talked with John Kurtz, uh, I think it was either earlier today or yesterday, about, uh, you know, a lot of the games being presented on ESPN+. Plus. I was just curious on your thoughts about that. 
Yeah, so, you know, the ESPN Plus deal, I, I get the frustration from Mr. Taylor and, and obviously from all of us as K-State fans. We'd love to have K-State shown on linear television. Streaming, no mm-hmm. doubt, is the, where we're headed with all this stuff. It's just, it's just a matter of when, right, when uh, it takes over. And right now, financially, streaming is not uh, the boon to those companies that the linear side is, so it stays where it is. I think K-State was selected. I think I would look at it this way. It, it isn't so much being relegated down to ESPN Plus when the games are selected. I think it came down to, in this circumstance, where you've got a K-State, Oklahoma State, much like it was last year, ESPN Plus and ESPN as the entity is trying to grow their streaming side. So they're very selective on the games they pick. But they also understand that they've got to, at times, take a conference game and put it on ESPN Plus in order to drive the popularity of the product. doesn't make it any better nor more fun for K-State fans or Oklahoma State fans, for that matter. But in some respects, it's a compliment. They understand that those two teams are two of the better teams in the conference of the eight that are left at the moment, and that's going to be a draw on ESPN+. Plus. So that's why it got pushed there. Um, it doesn't make it any easier to access for fans that live out in West uh, in Kansas and rural areas that may not have the internet at high speeds and i totally understand that and get the frustration so hopefully uh, elon musk can figure all that out and get uh, <laughs> uh, 5g across the entire planet and we can have internet beamed everywhere and it'd be great ladies and gentlemen senior director of broadcast services brian smoller brian did i did i get your title right there sure i think you just say k-state's brian smoller <laughs> it changes so much and we do so much stuff. I'll tell you, the guys that we have on our staff are so great. and They do such a great job of, of putting together those products for ESPN Plus most of the time. The football games aren't ours, unfortunately. I think if we did have a chance at a football game, which Mr. Taylor did bring up and was kind enough to say, but if we did a football game like we did a couple of years ago ourselves, uh, I think we'd hit it out of the park, but mostly because of our crew, which is mostly K-State students. A lot of people that love K-State that were students and that are working here now and uh we just love this university a whole bunch so glad what you guys are doing good luck with the show and keep keep rocking it rocking it out there brian i appreciate that i really do and thank you i know you're a busy guy you got a lot going on and i appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to come talk with us hey no problem always will always will help you guys no matter what awesome thanks brian i appreciate it all right guys we'll see you Just because Tanner's Bar & Grill has been around since the 80s doesn't mean their menu is outdated. They are serving up new weekday food and drink specials with dishes like buffalo mac and cheese, steak tips, bugas, and chicken sandwiches. Don't have time to stop by their location at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville? Tanner's now offers takeout through their website, tannersbarandgrill.com, and delivery through DoorDash. You know... It is frustrating. You know, yes, more and more people can get in. It's easier access, but there's just some things that they don't put an effort into. We can produce an ESPN Plus game better than ESPN can, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, so it's frustrating. We'll have a conversation at the conference level. And, and unfortunately, we knew there were going to be more games on Plus in both football uh, for a lot of the programs. But uh, for us to have it three, three in a row is it, frustrating. Gene Taylor shots fired to ESPN yeah. <laughs> right there. That was the clip that I was obviously it's a it's a very shortened down clip, but that was uh, K State Athletics Director Gene Taylor talking with John Kurtz, who is uh, he does a lot for he works over at KMAN, 
News Radio. He's been on the show a few times. A former, a former K-State grad as well. He got to, fun fact, he got the exact same the exact same degree that I'm getting as well from K-State. It was uh, journalism and mass communications with emphasis in sports broadcasting. So, 10 years apart. How about that? Just a little interesting tidbit there. But, yeah, how uh, how about Gene Taylor taking shots at uh, at ESPN there? And I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to be honest because I am biased because I work for HDTV. I've seen some other, like, college, you know, whatever productions of games and stuff. K-State is doing things right now that is just blowing – other universities across the nation out of the water. K-State is absolutely killing it right now. And I'm glad that Brian brought it up because, you know, being – because, like, I'll be honest, and this is just kind of my rant here. You know, I'm a busy guy. I do the show here on the station. I'm the sports editor for the Collegian. I work with John Kurtz over at K-Man. I work – and then, you know, I have some other jobs as well, but I work for HDTV as well. And – Hearing Brian give praise to those guys that that run the games and run the cameras and you know all those guys that put these productions on Andy Leach who's the 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 director of everything there it's it's just great to hear from Brian that you know he thinks that this HDTV crew and all of the and it's students that's the thing some of them are grad students and then some of them have graduated but come back to help out but a majority of the people working with HDTV are K-State students and it's just it's incredible I think it's awesome I think K-State is doing things that are just leaps and bounds ahead of what you know not even not necessarily ESPN but you know a lot of other productions across the nation I will and I will say ESPN I think well that's the thing is like ESPN has the resources that's the only difference is that ESPN has the resources. I don't think they have the drive. I think K-State, well, they don't have to. That's the thing is exactly. they don't have to because they have the money, they have the resources to do it. But with in K-State's case, obviously, obviously you you have some money, and obviously you get the highest grade equipment that you can get for like industry standard type stuff with cameras and you know other production value things, right? But a lot of other universities don't have the money to do that, so they just don't have that production value. And because they don't have that, maybe they don't have the drive. But I think with what K-State is doing right now with the equipment that they have and the students they have in place and the leadership in place, just blowing it out of the water right now. I mean, obviously, I don't have the same kind of like background information that sure. you have because yeah. you're you know you're involved with that but i mean that doesn't surprise me i think k-state k-state in general is a very slept on university yeah. just because it's a small market college with um you know not as big enrollment as some other massive institutions and k-state gets kind of looked down upon by a lot of these big time schools and big time organizations but i just think it's funny because i think k-state is a phenomenal school that's putting out amazing quality students and amazing just just generally quality stuff. I mean, you get quality athletics. Qual- I mean, it's like it's a it's a great university, so it doesn't surprise me. And what's crazy is, you know, I I've learned this over over the course of being in my major and doing what I've been doing here over the course of my time at K-State. And granted, I'm done in December as well. Uh you know, K-State this and this is this is something that I think is really cool that 
what you're listening to right right now, Wildcat 91.9, New Music Now, is the longest-running college FM radio station in the nation, possibly the world. There is no other college university that has been doing, Nate, what we are doing right now for longer than what how long K-State's been doing it. So, yeah, that's, cool. that's really cool. And I think it's really starting to show. If you listen to the uh, the broadcast last week against Southern Illinois, you know, we're trying to do a lot with production value. We're really trying to make things better. And I think we're going to get there. I think we're laying right now what is like the brickwork or whatever you want to say. We're laying the foundation for the future. And I think I think if you if you want to listen to a game on the radio, obviously like go listen to Wyatt Thompson. I'm I I'm the biggest fan of Wyatt Thompson ever and I know K-State Sports has such a broad reach and that's where a lot of people get their get their news source and their sports information because Wyatt's so great. I I will always endorse Wyatt Thompson because I love him so much. But the next best thing right now is Wildcat 91.9. If you want your sports, like, coverage, you're going to want to come here because we're going to be doing great things in the future. And I think it just speaks to what the university is doing as well. You look at what HGTV is doing. You look at what the journalism school is doing. You look at what other other co- – granted, I, I don't have the insider knowledge of, of the other colleges. I mean, you're, you're a business guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is, is there are there things that the business – this is becoming like a whole – like shout out thing to the to the university. I mean, are there things that the business, you know, department is doing right now that you? Can I mean, think I think just in general, it's really cool seeing, especially like right now. I'm doing a lot of, um, I've been going to like you know career fairs and stuff, and I've been. It's just cool hearing from like people who are actually coming in and like recruiting K State students who are like, yes, like this is a university we like continually want to come back to to recruit from because it's producing super super well-prepared students um, and I just think the, the college of business in general it's 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 kind of just a machine like it's like they have it down to a science it's it's they have I just feel very like well-prepared honestly like going into like you know interview settings like talking to employers if I just feel super well-prepared so I don't know if on big level I'm sure they're doing big stuff I just don't really see but I just think in general that they're, they're just doing the small things really well and students are leaving prepared which is what the goal which is. is what what the goal so, is yeah yeah we kind of got off topic there this is this is but a sports I'm, I talk think that's show the, but I, think, I think that's the yeah, case yeah. all over the university <laughs> I would I would think I mean, yeah. obviously I'm not involved with any other of the colleges but well I I was gonna bring up uh, some NFL Week One thoughts here I mean as we're kind of uh, wrapping things up I mean quick thirty second recap what are your thoughts on Week One um, the Steelers are good Steelers is Aaron Rodgers really washed uh, I don't think he's washed. No. I think the Saints. That, that's one thing I saw a lot on Twitter, no, and it's like he's not no, washed. It's one game. I just think, I think the Saints. I think it's the Saints, one. I think the Saints are going to be good. It's one game. I do think the Saints are going to be good. They're not going to be as Great. good as they were. They're going to be good. That, that game. Yeah. That was a ex- tale of extremes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think across the rest of the league. Ravens. How are you feeling about them in that running back room? Ravens. Um. They look fine. I mean, the way they run the ball. Great. I mean, they lost in overtime, but that was like a great defensive play. Yeah. From I think no. what the Raiders are doing right now is really cool. How they built this team up with a lot of these first round picks. Uh huh. I think Cleveland Farrell is going to turn into a good. A lot of people were like dogging that organization, and you know the the office heads there for drafting Cleveland Farrell. 
but I think he's going to turn into a dog. I think Max Crosby's already kind of there. He's good. I think he's like a C to like B tier defensive end right now in the league, Max Crosby is. And I think Cleveland Farrell's going to get there as well. Yeah, Crosby looked really good last night. I don't know. It's just exciting to have football back. I'm excited. It's good to have football back. And also, speaking of things coming back, Cole Carmody and I, myself, Colin Settle, we're going to be running it back here on Wildcat 91.9. We're going to be calling the K-State versus Nevada game this Saturday. Hella Bella's Hype Hour is going to be at noon. Kickoff is scheduled for 1. So tune in. It's going to be great. The production value is going up, as we were just talking about with this whole university being as, as progressive as it is and getting everything set up. I'm excited. This has been Settling the Score. I'm Colin Settle for Nate Gray. You've been listening to Sports Talk here on Wildcat 91.9.